Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO, and today I'm back in the podcast studio and we're bringing to our audience a special episode of the Project Purple Podcast. This is our 10 for 10 celebration. We turned 10 years old on September 15th, 2020. And this episode is dedicated, especially looking back at the 10 years of Project Purple. Coming to you from the Project Purple studio, I've got Brian Lively, AKA Cuz. If you're around the Project Purple family, you know that Brian is our current board president, has been on the board the last couple years, but everyone knows him as Cuz because he's like family. So thank you for joining me on the Project Purple podcast, Cuz. Dino, thanks for having me, pleasure. And as the theme is here with this podcast episode, we are sharing some of the best moments of the last 10 years, cuz, and I wanted to have you on as a, as a guest here to talk to our audience, seeing as you are the president and you've been involved in full disclosure for the audience at home. I know you've been on the podcast in the past, so the name may not be that foreign for some of our listeners that listen to your podcast. You know, you're very involved in the endurance community, running your own consulting business and working with many marathons and many programs. So, you know, you've been kind of entrenched in this space that we've been involved over the last 10 years, which has just been such a big part of our business for maybe as long as, uh, I'm trying to th- look back on our on our existence here. We met in 13 or 14 14 you got yeah. it yeah so i mean not too far back from when we started in 10 i mean you know six years heavily involved in the endurance space yep. so you know my first question for you cuz is if you look back in your time that you've known project purple which we just let the audience know for since 2014 so six years so you've seen it for 60 percent of your life or our life i should say I wish it was 60% of my life, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 60% of the Project Purple life you've seen firsthand, either from a distance, being involved. I mean, when, when we got to know each other, uh, you were at CrowdRise. So we yep. were heavily involved with you guys and still are with GoFundMe to some degree with some of our events. But to the question here, what do you think for you are some of the, like the highlights of your time here at Project Purple that you've been able to see firsthand? Tough question. There's so many good ones. I mean, I think um, you hit the nail on the head with, you know, kind of the cousin intro and the family piece. I mean, Project Purple has just been uh, really an additional family for me. I mean, the community that you and the team uh, have built, and when I say the team too, it really defines the staff, the board of directors, the volunteers, the runners. I mean, so many key people, your actual family, Don and the boys. Um, have just become like family for me. And, and it doesn't matter if it's the first time I've met a supporter or, you know, a family member that's going through this awful disease. It's just like we have an instant connection. And that's why I've continued to stay as involved or become even more involved, um, you know, over the years. Um, 
you know, my girls and know you is, you know, Mr. Dino and we, we all, you know, my family knows Project Purple, my extended family, my friends, my friends that are family. Um, so to answer your question directly, I think one of the moments that stick out the most for me is uh, the 2016 New York City half marathon, which I brought the entire family with me and uh, they were out cheering and, you know, they partook in all the festivities and activities and uh, the after party and things like that, too, and just fully involved uh, with the overall organization. But with that being said, you know, I could say the 2017 New York City full marathon with, you know, and I ran the first half with uh, Mike out in sunny California or uh, the Chicago 17 and, and ran with some of the team there. And, and, uh, but every, I think moment has its own special piece. And, you know, there's even, you know, conversations, you know, that we just learned of somebody, you know, being diagnosed with PC or, somebody that just passed or, you know, uh, onboarding new board members. There's just so many key moments, but if I had to pick one, I'm going to go uh, 16 New York city half. I think it was just a great way to bring my immediate family into the project purple family, uh, the way that I had been uh, involved. Yeah. You know, I think that's pretty powerful because I think if you look back and what you just said, you know, when you talk about community, and I think that's one of the underlying themes that's pretty special. Not that we sit around every day and think about this, right? But I think as we approach this 10th anniversary and we look back at all the things that we have done and for your time here, you know, that you've been involved, I, I think the one thing that you just said, you know, community and, and family and, you know, as, as funny, you know, we joke you know, calling you cuz in, in the intro here, you know, and why that is. But I mean, that's such a core piece of what this has all become. And being able Absolutely. to be on that city, you know, be on the streets in New York and Chicago and Boston, you've been up in Boston with us, yep. you know, and, and, you know, meet these people and share some miles and share some tears and share some celebration. And then knowing the fact that, you know, you had your family there with you, you know, there in 16 and being involved in, you know, the pre and the post. And if my memory serves me right, I think we were staying at the same hotel as well. And I remember we went live on Facebook when we used to do that often when we had events that we could go live on, um, yeah. which we'll get back to that eventually, I hope sooner than later. But I think your daughters were on, you know, uh, social media quite a bit that weekend, which is just was really cool. So yeah, it's uh, something special about that, that I, I think that, you know, we don't reflect on it daily, but I think as we approach this 10th year, it's something to really kind of look back at and see how special that has been, you know, over the years to be able to do that. Yeah, I think at that point, maybe it's not intentional. I think it's the unintentional moments too. You know, to your point, like the after party of New York City half in 16, you know, you had a photo booth and, you know, both of my girls got in there with, uh, you know, the Stacys that were helping me out at that point in time. And that's hanging on my oldest's board in her room. And so and there's not a day that goes by <laughs> that there's not some connection, you know, that's uh, maybe not even intentional, but it's there. And it's, it's just a part of now our DNA. And, and I think it's a part of so many others DNA that, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's less, it, you know, it's inherently and in a really good way, uh, unintentional. And I think that's, what's purely special about private purple. 
Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't disagree with you, you know, on that that statement. It's pretty powerful stuff. Next question for you. Where do you see us in the future as you sit here today as the board president? Where, where do you see? I mean, what this is kind of a you know, to say crazy time, I think is an understatement. Sure. Um, clearly anyone listening who hasn't seen what's been going on in the world over the last, you know, almost seven months here, you know, knows the reality that we're in, but you know, there is hope. I think there's a lot of things happening, but where do you see us in 10 years from now? Yeah. I mean, I truly, I think have a pretty clear picture uh, in 10 years that we will be touching more lives. And I think that's um, going to come about in a myriad of ways. I mean, I think there's, you know, really big initiatives about supporting research and early detection, you know, with the large initiative right now, you know, called Proceed that, uh, you know, we're working towards uh, with NYU and, and, you know, great doctors out there. I think that there's those types of really big initiatives that, Again, maybe, um, you know, inherently or uninherently, we're going to be touching more lives. I think we're going to be a bigger family in 10 years, you know, take us and at least double us, if not larger than that, where we'll just have that many more connections across the globe uh, from that that standpoint. And I think we'll, we'll continue to be industry leaders uh, within our space for uh you know, ways that we can continue to, to pivot and, and be flexible and be malleable. Um, you know, there's so many nonprofits out there that unfortunately are stagnant because people are unwilling to change or they want change to happen around their timeline. But if COVID has taught us anything is that we need to be as flexible as humanly possible because COVID you know, hasn't stopped uh, the number of diagnoses, right, of, of pancreatic cancer. It's, uh, you know, it's it hasn't uh, hidden that fact. It's it's something that will stay, um, you know, prevalent until we can, uh, you know, find the resources for early detection and ultimately find a cure. So we need to continue to be uh, an industry leader in the way that we you know, continue to build our community. So I see, you know, Project Purple being a leader within our space and and uh, that, you know, purple flag flying high and both at endurance events and other events that, uh, you know, may not be endurance related. And I feel that we'll have more ambassadors across the globe, not just within the United States, but truly globally. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited about what that future looks like and, and the, the committed committed people that are, you know, really around us and, you know, our family helping to, um, you know, spread the good word. I couldn't agree with you more. I love it. Brian, AKA Cuz, thanks for all you do for Project Purple and thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on 10 years, huge milestone. And we're back in the studio and I've got advisory board member, Mary Kostolinski with us on the phone here in the studio. Mary, thank you for joining us on the Project Purple podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, full disclosure, Mary, I don't think we've ever had you or the girls on the podcast. I know we've we've done a video um, with you guys, but for audience listening at home, 
Mary and her three beautiful girls have been involved with Project Purple for some time with us. Um, sadly, Mary lost her husband and Mary's oldest daughter, Megan, got involved with us right when her husband, Dave, was uh, was fighting pancreatic cancer and has been involved with the, the charity in multiple ways, uh, not only from the daughters being involved. I know Claire um, hasn't run a marathon yet. I know Kat has done some running and then Megan has run multiple times, but all four of you ventured to the Grand Canyon, I believe it was last year. Yes. Last year. Yeah. 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 So you guys collectively have been involved, you know, in fundraising and, and in our events. And so we wanted to have you on the Project Purple podcast to talk about your family's experience since you guys have been involved with us and what's that meant to you guys. And my first question for you, Mary, is, and you, you don't have to answer it. I, I know this is kind of a loaded question to say like, what was like the whole family's top moment? And I think that would be a little bit different naturally if we had Megan, because I know Megan's run a couple marathons, the last of which uh, I believe was Twin Cities when we ran last year, her and I. Yes. We started yeah. out together. And then I left her because I wasn't feeling all that great and then uh, caught up with, with you guys at the end. But what is your top moment for you with your involvement with Project Purple over the years? Uh, well, I was, I was thinking about that question when you told me you were going to be asking it. And it's, it's very difficult for me to narrow that down to one moment, but there is one moment that is hands down the most precious to me. And that is um, Easter morning sunrise at the Grand Canyon. When the leaders woke us up and said, you're going and I'm dragging my teenagers out of bed. <laughs> and it's, it was freezing cold. Um, and of course we retired from the hike the day before and we still had a hike ahead of us that day. But um, we piled into a van and, and went to the rim and saw the most spectacular sunrise ever. And um, me and my girls are always looking for a place to reconnect with, um, with Dave, my husband. And as that sun came over, we just stood there silently in awe at the beauty of it. And that trip was, um, that trip was really amazing. I would do that again all day long. Yeah, it's pretty special. I mean, I've been blessed to do that adventure where, you know, you wake up super early. Well, not that early. I mean, I think you and I are early risers. <laughs> yeah. If you're not an early riser, then then yeah, it's 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 early. But if you get up early enough, but it's really, really spectacular and you know, to be there in the canyon and just, you know, you have this horizon that's just flat, right? And then, you know, you can see down a bit, it's still a little dark, and then you just see that sunrise come over that east end of the of the uh of the canyon. And it's just really surreal almost, right? Mm -hmm. Like cause it's so quiet. There's no, you, I mean, when you're in the canyon, you don't, you don't really have good cell service. You know, there's not any vehicular traffic. Um, you know, there's no loud music. There's no lights. 
So it's just something that's really awe-inspiring to just see that happen. It almost is like fake, almost that that's happening at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Easter, you know, Easter Sunday, that it just was, it was perfect. Just perfect. Beautiful. So yeah. thank you for that opportunity. I mean, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have been at the canyon and certainly might have uh, hit the snooze button if I was on my <laughs> wake up for the sunrise. Well, that's something when I went the first time and did that, and I said to the, the folks who run the tour, I said, that that's gotta be done. You gotta do that every time we, we bring people here because that is just something so special. And I I know when you went, it was over Easter weekend and being, um, you know, a family of faith, I know how special that is. And myself, you know, that just really is just something special. And you know, it's just something that's so so hard to explain. I think words and pictures are are hard, but when you see that, for anyone who is uh, you know ever had the opportunity, anyone listening to be in the Grand Canyon and see that sunrise, it's just really something special. And if it's something that you haven't, I would highly recommend you know putting that on a bucket list item. We'll do it with Project Purple. Absolutely. When we when we get back to to some normalcy here, as we record this in this COVID reality that we're in, Mary. Now I know you have also been pretty instrumental, and I know we we haven't talked about this in the podcast before. But as full disclosure, as always, uh, that we always are on this podcast, you've been really helpful in navigating this journey for many families that have gone through the same journey that you have gone through. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that has ranged from sadly women, you know, in a very similar situation with young kids, having a spouse, you know, battling this thing called pancreatic cancer. And that's happened multiple times. And I know you've become like best friends with some of these women over the years. How would you define Project Purple? And I know we've talked about, you know, the family's involvement when Dave was battling, you guys were heavily involved and still heavily involved throughout the years. And then now you're on an advisory board, which is part of the board of directors and, and kind of helping to, you know, move the, the ship or the bus along this journey. And then also to, you know, reaching out and, and working with these families that are going through the same thing that you went through. But how would you define Project Purple? Uh, you know, for me, there's really just one word and it's, it's home. Um, there is something about looking in the eyes of other people that have been through pancreatic cancer that, that is so comfortable and healing and, um, nurturing because otherwise the world of pancreatic cancer feels so isolating. It's, um, it's its own beast. And of course, when you meet other people that have been anywhere on a cancer journey or have lost a loved one to cancer in general, um, of course there's a, a common understanding and a common thread, but, um, honestly, Pancreatic cancer is its own horrific beast. And um, when 
so when you called me, Dino, just a couple hours after my husband died, I've told you many times that, you know, I had friends calling me, I had relatives in my home, but there was something about you calling me and your understanding of what I had just seen and what I was called upon to do in caring for my husband and, um, and what my future would look like. There was just a sense of home. And really from that point forward, I knew that that's what I could bring to Project Purple. Um, that same feeling for, for widows in particular, but um, that feeling of, I, I really do, I, I, I really do know how you feel. Um, although I, you know, I try not to say that because of course everyone's got their own, their own journey and their own, um, their own uh, struggles or whatever, you know, they're going through, but um, it, it's good for me. And I believe it's good for the other widows I've spoken with to just say, we get it. And it's a big part of my healing. It always has been. And, um, I, you're exactly right. I'm very good friends with really every widow I've reached out to. Um, I'm so grateful for it. So for me, Dino is a sense of home. That's the best word. Well, thank you for sharing that with our audience, Mary. And, and I will say that, you know, in closing, you know, I've always said no one fights alone. But I think what you said is just so powerful is that, um, and I think you've heard me say this before, and I may have said this on the, the podcast in previous times, you know, this is a really crappy club to be in. But together we can do some amazing things. And it's a club that no one wants to be in. But we accept it and we know that we get each other. For whatever mm -hmm. reason that may be, you know, that this thing called pancreatic cancer has touched all of our lives. For you and I, for the other families that have been involved in this thing called Project Purple over the last 10 years. And for those listening at home that have been touched by pancreatic cancer, understand this. And hopefully those that have not been touched may never understand it. And we hope that because that means that they won't, you know, touch the beast or, you know, come into interaction with pancreatic cancer, which is a good thing. But for those that have, there's a togetherness, there's a bonding, and there's an understanding that we get it. And together mm -hmm. we can do something really special for those in the future. So thank you, Mary, for all you do with Project Purple. Thank you for the involvement of your family. It's been a wonderful journey for me to see so many families and in particular your family be on with us over the last couple of years. Thanks for well, being a guest. Thank you. And thank you for the way that you've cared for my family. I'm really grateful. Thanks, Mary. We're back in the studio on the phone with program manager, for a push-pull for PC program, along with our Run, Walk, Steps for the Cure program, and overseeing all of our third-party events, 
Vin Camp. Vin, thanks for joining us once again on the Project Purple podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Hello, everybody. And, you know, these crazy times, but, you know, we're getting through. I'm excited to be on a part of this and, you know, experiencing all this with everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as Vin and I were talking before we hit record multiple times here, had to go through some edits. Uh, <laughs> this is our 10 year anniversary podcast and we are interviewing multiple people within the project purple community to talk about 10 years and, and what it means to them and some of the the favorite moments for each individual full disclosure vin our audience probably doesn't know this but they have heard from you multiple times on the podcast because we've had you on a couple times talking about a variety of topics but your three-year anniversary was just last weekend. Last week, three years, and that three years, you know, we you know, we talk about the ten years flying by. Um, you know, the three years. I mean, it seems like I just you know got to know you a lot better after like the games three years ago and everything, yeah. and you know took this job, and it, it really just flew by. Um, you know, I was you know talking to Christina about it, and I was like, wow, it's it's been three years. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a long time, but it really is in a sense. Um, but wouldn't change anything. It's been an exciting and uh, you know worthwhile three years. You know, with everything we've been through, and you know, learning, educating, just the process that we've gone through has been amazing. It's crazy to think like that. Because if you think about like three years doesn't seem like a long time, but it is a long time, I guess, if that mm -hmm. makes any sense. But it feels like there's been so many things that have kind of changed, man. Like it's just, you know, you we just talk about, you know, for audience listening at home, probably doesn't know this, but, you know, you were with us in the old office, which was mm -hmm. like the, I say like the middle office yeah. of the 10 years. It was like two years like that just went by so quick that we wish we could forget, not for any reason other than we had just an, a bad situation with our landlord there. But, um, you know, we like moved in the middle of the night to this new office, but though like traveling and the events, I think just make it go by so quick. And as I was saying on a previous interview, I think it's hard here, Vin, at least this is how I feel. And maybe you might feel the same way. Like there's always so much going on and we're always so, let's say reactive, but you know, event, 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 fundraising, fundraising, mission, 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 that we don't get a lot of time to sit back and think about like, wow, like we were at the CrossFit games. Wow. We were part mm -hmm. of the, you know, the CrossFit community for a while, you know, in the foundation and, you know, some of the other things and some of the races, you ran a marathon. <laughs> yeah. I ran a marathon last year. Yeah. Like I was training for it this time last year, which that just baffles my mind, you know, to, to seem like that. But I totally agree. It's, you know, getting caught up in all these events. And it's like you said, it's one after another. I think maybe after, you know, the normal New York City marathon to the March marathon, the half is like our quiet time, I'd say. But I mean, it, it's really just one thing after another. There's no real downtime. And you know, piggybacking on what you said to sidebar a little bit, you know, I was, I've been fortunate enough lately on the weekends to be able to go to the beach. And, you know, for me, that's just reflection time. And um, a, a lot of that has been reflecting over where we've been, especially given the COVID situation, you know, which has flown by in itself. Um, and it's just like, just completely grateful, you know, to, to see the lives we've impacted, to see, 
you know, the progress we've made on research, it's, it's crazy, you know, to put it all together and just sit and take that deep breath and be like, we're making changes. You know, we're, we're moving the needle and affecting people and positively influencing people. Yeah. I I couldn't agree with you anymore. I mean, I think the one thing I think that this whole episode in terms of what's happening in our world today has taught me is just like really need to reflect and, and do it more often. Because I don't think yeah. we did enough of it, you know, before. Absolutely. I think I think we tried to. I think just but as you said, like we're constantly events and then, you know, to your point, like we end in November and then we don't have an event until March really. But you know, there's so much that goes on during that time. There's not really I think like the week bef- between Christmas and New Year's is like the one downtime that we have. Yeah. Yep, all the all the prepping, all the you know, then we have little third party events yeah. and even the push pull still going on and yeah, there's just always something going on. Or even the PFA, you know, even though our events stop, you know, we're still getting those phone calls for patient aid. We're still sending out packages and care packages. We're still doing all this behind the scenes stuff um, that is, like I, like you said, making a huge difference. And it really isn't a downtime. You know, like you yeah. said, it's that week before like, that Christmas to New Year's week. But I mean, I'd rather be busy, you know, than anything. And, you know, our busy is a good busy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my first question for you in your three years and it's three plus years, cause I know there was that brief time before mm-hmm. that where, you know, your, uh, your now wife, but then uh, <laughs> girlfriend was part of one of the CrossFit teams that we had mm-hmm. sponsored and, and supported on their journey. And you were involved, uh, you know, through another friend who has now become an ambassador for us, who lost her mom prior to that, um, working with her at one of the local CrossFit gyms here in the state. But what's been your top moment? And I know this is a hard question. It's a somewhat loaded question, but um, if there's any way that you can answer that, and, I, and I'm gonna just going to stop talking and let you kind of talk about that. Yeah, I think, I mean, I could take you, I could take this a couple ways. And I do think my my number one top moment would be actually running the marathon in Chicago last year Um, for a variety of reasons. Number one, to be a part of that community um, that you have instilled and built, you know, throughout the years with these teams um, to experience that, to get on the floor and put in the hours, you know, running and miles running, you know, to get up to that marathon and training runs you know, talking to the community, talking to the the other runners and the other people on the team, um, that you build friendships with them um, along the way as you continue to talk to them. And, you know, we become friends on all social media platforms and all this stuff. Um, but we, we were just talking about reflection. I mean, that was going through, you know, and you know me, you know, I was a crossfitter. I don't run, never ran before. I played baseball, you know, we don't run as baseball players. Um, and I've always said this, like I was never a runner, never wanted to run a marathon. I hated running a mile for the baseball tryouts, you know, to go through and commit, you know, back then to, I'm going to run a marathon, you know, when I turn 40, you know, for a variety of reasons, you know, people I've lost, people my friends have lost, uh, and just being a part of that community. Um, I think for me, that was from start to finish the best experience or the best moment that I've had, because I was able to go through the hard times, but know why I was doing it and know 
that, you know, when I was going through it, there's thousands of other people going through the similar things, but there's millions of other people going through even worse things. You know, when we talk about cancer and pancreatic cancer, um, so me running a couple miles and my legs hurting meant nothing to me, uh, cause I knew I was doing it for a greater cause. Um, and then secondarily right up there with that would be the $1.25 million grant that we gave to NYU and started that, you know, early detection clinic because it, you know, we've had a lot of other smaller grants and helping out other organizations. But when I started, I don't think we uh, started to have there been any. I think there was one with Chicago, you know, with the University of Chicago or when I first started and something like that, like smaller ones. But seeing all of our hard work come to fruition with that huge grant and the consortium with Proceed um, was right up there with there. So I'd have to take a cop out and go A1, A2. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. You, you, you can, uh, you know, you can choose more than one, I guess. We'll, we'll give you some uh, flexibility there on that one. I think it's hard, man. I think, you know, and that's, that's the thing, you know, talk about reflection. And I had someone ask me that question recently. And that's why I wanted to ask every guest on this podcast that because I, I think it's just really hard, you know, because I, A, I, I think, you know, it's a somewhat of an evolution and, you know, there's no wrong answer to it. And it's just mm-hmm. fascinating to me, you know, for your experience, like you were impacted, you know, by running. And like you said, you were never a runner. And then you had that opportunity to be on that stage and have that moment as we talk about. Right. And so I think that's really special about that. And that's part of what this all has become. Truly. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, and there's so many, right? And I think, yeah, I think when we did the year in review last year, we talked about yeah. that, right? It's like, which one? And then we, as we talk about it, we're like, oh, that happened. Oh, that happened. There's <laughs> just so many, one on top of the other. It's, it's, it's hard. It's difficult because it's like building the foundation of like a building, right? We have all these events and they just keep building upon each other. And, you know, something that's going to be a, a impactful today is a stepping stone to something bigger that's going to happen tomorrow. And yeah, it's, it's amazing to, to, to see the progress and, you know, the lives we've been to, a, to able to positively affect. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what it's all about. So next question, where do you see us going from here? And I mean, this is such a hard question right now, given <laughs> everything that's happening globally, but like, I mean, I guess we can play, you know, make believe, I guess, and assume that, you know, like in, in 2021, we'll be back to, you know, hosting events and putting on events and being involved in events. Where do you think we are in, in 10 years, I guess? I mean, I see this and, and as hard as it is to see right now, currently with what we're going through. And uh, I just I see the growth coming. You know, yes, we're in a little low right now and, you know, with fundraising and everything and, you know, doing research and everything, like we, you see these numbers on how low all fundraising is. Right. And I think American cancer society might've posted something the other day that, you know, there's about somewhere around, and don't quote me on this number, but a $200 million shortfall in cancer research this year, potentially. Um, you know, I think, you know, right now that's that stumbling block, but, I think come 2021, I do think we're going to be out there on the streets. And I think our teams are going to be bigger than ever. I think people are going to want to get out there and do more, uh, which is, and help more. 
um, which is going to just open the doors, I personally believe, to more events, whether it's more marathon entries or different marathons we get into or different events, not even just marathons. Um, and I see that building on, you know, 10 years, I, you know, that where we thought that 1.25 was a huge grant. I do think it's going to be bigger than that. And, I, you know, with the support of our community and, and we've seen it with, you know, virtual events that we've been putting on and, you know, the support that we've gotten, you know, through with people going through this, epidemic that we're in right now and the uncertainty um i think at the end of this when the dust settles it's just going to build stronger you know community relationships and and partnerships with us and with other people around that's just going to make this such a bigger and more impactful organization and we're going to be able to touch and reach so many more people yeah, I couldn't, again, disagree with you. I think the one commonality is that, and you just mentioned it, is this community. And I think that's one thing, I think, I guess, as we reflect back and you look at all these things that have transpired in the community that we've all helped to build and to flourish and to continue to build that. And if anything that this pandemic has taught us is that our community needs us now more than ever. And so that's something that's pretty adherent um, to us and, and something that we see every day that, you know, pancreatic cancer hasn't been canceled, as I think what we've said a lot. You know, yeah. a lot of the events have been canceled. Pretty much all the events have been canceled for 2020 and gone virtual. But pancreatic cancer has not canceled itself in terms of impacting families. And, you know, the need for assistance, the need for research is that more in the spotlight that that is needed right now because of what's going on. So powerful stuff, my friend. Uh, thank you for all you do. We're going to get through this together. I truly believe this. And uh, we look forward to the next 10 years here at Project Purple with uh, with Vin running the push-pull, the walks, and third party. Hopefully not all three. <laughs> Eventually we'll get some help here. Uh, but uh, the future is bright, my friend. Thank you for being on the podcast once again. Absolutely. My pleasure. So we're back in the podcast studio. We're actually live in person recording another segment of our special 10 year anniversary podcast. And here with me in the podcast studio is our PFA coordinator, slash office manager, slash everything else that uh, that needs to be done here in the home office at Project Purple, Miss Marcy White. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Marcy, you've been on the podcast before, and before we started hitting record, we were going to do something fun, but I know last time we did one of those with pizza. Producer Sam got upset about not being able to be there for the pizza one. Yes, so we didn't bring food into this, but uh, we wanted to have you on the podcast. You've been a big part of Project Purple during your time here, which is closing in on an anniversary. Mm -hmm. October 24th will be three years. Three years. You have that memorized. That's pretty scary. Well, it's coming up. So <laughs> <laughs> I happen to saw, I saw it on my calendar. Oh. That's really the only reason why I know it popped up on my calendar uh, last month. Wow. I know 
we hired you shortly after we hired Vin. So I know yes. Vin's was just last week, which was three years. So I knew yep. yours was coming up. I didn't know the exact date. I knew it was in the fall. It was right around marathon season because I know you came to New York, which was like your first week, I think, that first yes. time. New York was yeah. my first race. But that's also how I remember how long I've been here because I'm right after Vin. And Vin, like you said, his anniversary was just last week. So yeah, his was, was coming early. up. And New York was my first uh out live in the streets with the crew, the yeah. team. And, I was excited to be there. And three years later, look at everything. It's it's almost like a blur. Look at us now. Yeah. It's been fun. <laughs> it, this I, is... I wouldn't still be here if I didn't um, still have the passion that I have. And I've actually have more passion now and fell in love with everything about Project Purple and the team. Well, you've been a big part of that. And I, I think... You know, three years as we were having been on the podcast just before we started this interview earlier today, you know, talking about how fast like three years goes. And I was joking with him like, and you were part of this, like the middle, I, I call it the middle office since we are talking about 10 years of Project Purple. You were in the middle office mm -hmm. in this transition because we've had three offices, technically four, but three locations. So that middle location, you were there for, yes. you know, that whole time. And then, you know, now we're in our new office, which is much nicer than the old office, which was yes. the middle office. But it's such a, you know, and you think about that transition and moving is always such a big thing, right? Like when you move people listening, if they've ever moved their primary residence and how that is or, you know, whatever situation uh, in a move, it's such a big thing. And then, you know, we had so many events, like we've had all these events the past three years. And then mm -hmm. this year has been kind of a, I don't even know what we call it anymore <laughs> with, with COVID and the pandemic and everything that's happened with all the events being canceled. Right. Yeah. Well, this past year, this past year, 2020 alone, yes. has been kind of its own. It, it seems like three years. Mm-hmm. Could be. In itself, yes. In itself. Absolutely agree with you. So it's pretty crazy just how three years goes by so quick. But my first question for you, given your role and what you have experienced, not necessarily what we have done as an organization, but for you, what has kind of been, and I know this is a hard question, it's a loaded question, of course, your top moment in your eyes since you've been here? Well, that is a big question. It would be impossible to narrow it down to just one top moment, I think. Three years, like you said, seems, um, it almost seems like I've been here for a lifetime because everyone became family. And it's almost like I've, I've known some of you guys for my whole life, even though I haven't. And I can't narrow it down to just one. But speaking to the patients, there have been, you know, a few that stick with you in your memory in my memory, um, that I still unfortunately deal with because years later they're still battling and they're still needing some assistance. So you kind of build a, I've built a rapport with some of these patients and I think that alone just goes a long way because it just doesn't end when I leave the office. It stays with me throughout the day throughout the week, every once in a while I think of them. Or when we get a new case and the patient's younger than me, that's a huge moment where it kind of just makes me realize who I am, where I am in my life, and why I do what I do. So I, there's not really one big defining moment, but 
just all everything rolled up into one. You, I hope that kind of answers your question. <laughs> you didn't answer my question specifically, which I know you wouldn't because I know you very well. No, I didn't, but I also understand what you're saying because I think, you know, for your role with dealing with the patients, you're probably the one person in our organization that talks to most of the patients with everyone on the staff, mm-hmm. myself included, because you're constantly, you know, navigating with them and, and kind of you know, taking those calls and helping them navigate through that process. So, you know, being able to impact those people and build that relationship with those people. And some of them, you know, I know we just got, you know, the Phillips, I think, you know, Terry, like they just sent, you know, a patient family that we've helped in the past multiple times. Mm-hmm. And uh, they continually send us pictures yeah. of just the progress and what the reality is. Yeah. So if they're listening, thank you for continuing to do that. And I think that's like something that's super powerful because people will come into our lives that are impacted by this disease and whether they go on to, you know, an afterlife or whatever the outcome is, sometimes the family stays involved or sometimes we help someone and, you know, they move on and, and that's neither good nor bad. That's not anything, you know, but having people come back is pretty special. That that is, you know, it's bittersweet, obviously, because if they're coming back, that means they still they're still battling the pancreatic cancer. But to have them come back to us because we made an impact in their life and that they need some assistance going forward, it 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 does speak for itself. Yeah. And and I think that's something that's really, really special about what we've been able to do to touch so many families you know, even through our blanket program and now the blanket plus the free masks, you know, that we've been supplying the patients since this pandemic started. So it's just something that's really, really special. My next question, which is another loaded question. There's only loaded questions on the Project Purple podcast, I guess we should say. (laughs) Where do you think you see, like if if we just played make-believe here 10 years from now, 10 more years from now, from where Project Purple started. Okay, let's play. Let's play. So we're Um, at our 20-year... 20-year mark. I see us being worldwide. And I see the numbers turning around. So instead of, what is it currently, 9% survival rate, 10 years from now hopefully we'll be going the other direction and maybe a 20 year, a 20% survival rate. And uh, again, going back to worldwide, we're helping patients worldwide. We're, we have our foot everywhere out there, our name, our logo, everyone worldwide knows about us. They want to help us. Everyone's affected. So why stop with uh, North America? Yeah. I, I, you know, global has been mentioned a couple times and I think, you know, we've been able to have so many guests from around the world on our podcast that have battled pancreatic cancer mm-hmm. and continue to battle. And yeah, we've kind of already opened the door to go international. And we, like you said, we've had some people on the podcast, we've had some international runners come yeah. overseas. So that's great. And that's a huge start. So I don't see why it's unrealistic to actually be overseas and doing more even with patients overseas. Yeah, I would love to see that quite honestly. And I'd I'd love that you you mentioned that because I think that's 
somewhere where prior to the reality that we're in right now, the pandemic, you know, happening, I think we were on track to have that happen sooner than later with just some of our events, um, you know, being in two international marathons and, you know, bringing runners from overseas and then the mm -hmm. podcast and, you know, unfortunately, you know, this disease just doesn't impact people in North America or mm -hmm. here in the United States. It impacts people worldwide. Yeah. And so, I know our CrossFit program does have some gyms over down under in Australia, correct. but I'm talking like a hundred percent worldwide. Yeah. Not just little, you know, but these little things are stepping stones and that's how we get there in the bigger picture and scheme of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Marcy, thank you for coming on the podcast once again. Thank you for all you do here at Project Purple and uh, really appreciate your feedback and your comments and all you do for our community. Well, thank you for having me on and thank you all for listening. So as we look back over the last 10 years here at Project Purple, I wanted to share some of my favorite moments. And as we've heard from all of our guests today, I think the one common theme has been family and community. And as the founder and CEO, that's something that I look back with a lot of pride and reflecting back over the 10 years on how a group of strangers can come together at the marathons, the pizza eating contests, the workouts at CrossFit and at Orange Theory and Soul Cycle and everything that we've done over the last 10 years. It's been pretty special to be in the driver's seat, to not only watch, but to see the connections and the friendships that have been made because of this thing called pancreatic cancer and what Project Purple has become. So as we look forward to the next 10 years, I'm really excited to continue this mission in a selfish way to continue to see it grow because I know that we're helping families out there, but also I know that we're pushing really hard towards a cure of this evil thing called pancreatic cancer. For the audience listening at home, I'll share with you a special moment with everyone that not many people have heard this story before and try not to get too emotional, but one of my last meaningful conversations with my dad before he passed. And my dad was really the inspiration for Project Purple and the reason why this exists today. But you know, we were sitting there and I knew his time was coming to the end and we were at home before he left for the last time to go to the hospital. And I just felt that this was kind of the last time that I would have uh, a meaningful conversation with my dad. And I wanted to make sure that he knew how much I loved him and, and how much he had impacted my life in a positive way and and everything that he had done for me growing up and as a young adult, having children and everything that he'd done and how much I loved him. But I made him a promise that day. I can remember it as if it was yesterday, quite frankly, how vivid the memory is for me. 
And I said to him, I said, dad, I'm going to fight like hell. And I'm going to make sure that no other family goes through this hell that we've experienced through his battle and the pain and suffering that he experienced. And I won't stop until that day becomes a reality. And lately I've looked back on that and reflected a bit. You know, this is a a game where we're not a game, but I, I guess, you know, the, the situation here at Project Purple, where we are fighting for a cure every day, every single day. We are fighting for a cure just like other cancers and other diseases so that people can live lives. They can spend time with their loved ones. They can spend time with their kids, their grandkids, see the moments that my dad could never see, my kids graduating from middle school and from high school and from college and spending those moments with their grandkids. So, you know, as I reflect back on that promise that I made to my dad, you know, it's been 10 years and the needle has moved a little bit. You know, survival has gone up a couple percent. There hasn't really been any major breakthroughs in treatment other than, you know, we do know now genetics. You know, there is a treatment protocol for people with a particular genetic predisposition or or, or people who have um, pancreatic cancer due to a genetic mutation that works really well. Some say it's a game changer, but it doesn't work for everyone. So we're still far from our goal of finding a cure. But as I look back over the 10 years and I look back at all the families that have been involved and the patients that I've been blessed to meet and some that I've become best of friends with, and I realize that when I was going through our family's journey, I didn't have anyone like me. And I'm not saying that we're giving up or we've achieved our goal by any means whatsoever, but I do find at times some peace with that, that what this has become, Project Purple, this community, this family, to give patients a lifeline, to provide hope with our programs and patient financial aid, our blanket program, our referral networks. That's something that I and my family never had. And when we talk about research, establishing the Precede Consortium, helping to establish that, which has now become, or is on pace, I should say, to be the largest early detection consortium for pancreatic cancer in the world is pretty special. So as I look back on these 10 years, I feel a lot of gratefulness knowing that we have touched people in a positive way. And that's what Project Purple was always about. I wanted to do something in a really, really crappy time to be a positive light, to give people hope, to know that they're not alone. And I think we've accomplished that. And as I look forward to the 10 years, I'm excited for what the future brings. This is a really dark time with this COVID pandemic, but I'm really excited for the future in this space. Yes, it's hard. It is so damn hard right now. Um, we've had to make some changes internally, um, you know, but we're gonna get through this and we're gonna survive this. And I'm really excited to continue to grow our mission and helping more people on the patient side with our programs as they expand and on the research side to really continue to push the narrative 
on funding more research towards a cure and getting results so that families don't have to go through the same journey that my family experienced back when my dad was battling. So I want to thank you all for all the support through the last 10 years, and I look forward to building on the support for the next 10 years. And as I've always said, and I don't think I've mentioned this many times on the podcast, but I want to put ourselves out of business because that means that we've achieved our goal. So thank you for listening. Thank you for the support. If you like what you hear, please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and feel free to share this podcast with anyone that you think would enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Be safe. And until next time, that's a wrap on the Project Purple Podcast. Yeah.